Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at mygatewayfellowship.com. John 12, 32. I just want to start with this before we go on. And the other thing I want to say also before we go on, our life is never a direct path. It's sometimes a big U, sometimes it's, it's a mess. But in the end, God gets us there. Amen? So I want to start with this verse over here because when I'm going I'm to start here and then I want to get into some nitty-gritties because really it doesn't matter what kind of life we come from if God is not in charge in the end. He wants us to come as we are, but He will change us. And so notice what it says here. I love this. It says, but when I am lifted up from the earth, in my version it says, I will draw all men unto myself. And I see a God that we serve like a magnet. He doesn't abandon us. He just wants to draw us. And he will allow events to happen in our lives so we could wake up, so we could be drawn into his love, his arms. Does that make sense? At the age of 12, I asked my dad to leave the house. Now, what happened was my dad used to work with the mob, and and my mom would help herself a lot from the wallet. And my mom had an addiction. And so what happened was one day when my dad went to make one of his runs, the money was not in the wallet. And so they got home, and, they, and, and this was constant, big fights. And so what happened was at that time, I really didn't believe in God because something that happened in the fellowship that I was in. And so I gave up. But then what happened was when I saw them fighting, I said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm the black sheep in the family. So if, mom, if my dad kills my mom, because what happened was they took out these big knives, these kitchen knives. And I said, so if my dad kills my mom, he's going to prison, and who am I going to be with? The people that don't love me? That ain't going to happen. And if my mom kills my dad, then what's going to happen? She's going to be in prison. And again, I'm going to end up with people that really don't care for me. Or if they kill each other, I'm still in the same boat. And so at the age of 12, that may sound weird, but I made a log- logical decision. I said, Dad, you need to leave. And he looked at me and says, you telling me to leave? I said, Dad, that's right. You need to go. And so he left. He said, I can't believe it. <laughs> my own son's asking me to leave. And I said, Dad, I may not know what I'm talking about, but you need to leave. And he left. And that relationship was strained for the next six years. But in that journey, because I believe that God allows, he permits events to cross our paths in our lives for us to evaluate our relationship with him. It doesn't matter how young or how old we may be, but he allows it. And so what happened was, years go by, I'm a teenager, and somebody invited me to go to church. I've got to be honest, the main reason I went to church, check out the girls. <laughs> Okay, some of you are like, really? Hey, I heard there were nice, pretty girls in church. And so guess what? My friends are right. There were nice, pretty girls in church. And you know, that's why I met my wife, Maria. Okay? But at the point, I started dating this girl. And what happened was, she says, you know, Carl, you keep telling me you're an atheist. And I says, yeah, because to me, if you can't show it through science, have a hard time believing it. Well, I don't have time today, but I can actually show you through science that God does exist. I know that sounds crazy, okay? But let me tell you, there's evidence that an awesome God exists. And so what happened was she gave me a Bible. It was a King James Bible, and nothing against the King James. You know, some people think that if you read in Spanish or Chinese or another language, is also King James. No. King James is only in English. And so what happened was, so she gave me the King James. I said, look, I'm going to be honest. I really don't want to read Shakespeare. I want something that I could read that's easy to read, and so I took the Bible, threw it in the garbage. She goes, how dare you? I said, dare you what? She goes, you put the Holy Bible 
I said, well, you give me something, and then I'll read it, and then I'll, in my mind, assess if it's holy. So the next day she came with the NIV version. You ever heard that version? Very simple English, right? That's the version we're reading. And so I started reading it, and I, and I said, where should I start? She says, just start with the book of Matthew. Learn about this guy called Jesus. So I learned about J.C. and the Twelve. And so as I started reading, by the time I got to the book of John, I said, wow, this guy's a cool guy. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He'll tell the Pharisees, you know, you know where they could go. Okay? And I was like, this is cool. I like this guy. Because in my mind, I had a whole different concept of who God was. And no, lightning didn't come from heaven. There was not an earthquake. The wind didn't blow in a still voice. What happened to me was very simple. I started reading, 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 reading. And then she said, look, before you read, just pray. Pray to who? Pray to the God that wrote the Bible. So at first, my prayer was, hey, alien? Because to me, he was. And I, some of you are laughing. I look back, I'm like, man, I can't believe I called him that. But that's what I did. I say, um, sir, alien, whoever you are, this is your book. Help me understand your book. Okay, big G. And so I started reading it. And by the time I got to the book of John, and like I say, it was not like lightning or the earth shattering or tornado, thunderstorm, nothing. The weirdest thing happened. I said, I love this guy. Because why? When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto to myself. And so I was open to that. I was open to give it a try. And so God allowed these events for me to meet that girl that was bold enough to say, put up or shut up. She said, you keep criticizing, but you haven't read it for yourself. So how dare you talk about it? Put up or shut up. You know what? She was right. So I put up and I read. And I found out I can't tell her to shut up because she was right. And so... I'm going to get to the point with the, the story of Saul. Because you see, as I kept reading, and as I said, kept looking at my science, because I have an engineering background. And so science and God, can that really mix? And as I kept reading and reading from the book of Genesis and all these different stories in the book of Job, something happened and it finally clicked and I want to share it with you. It's a simple truth. This earth, if you compare it to the universe, how small is it? I mean, it is so small that let's say, this, let's say this, better yet, let's say the state of Maryland is the universe. This earth, or better yet, this solar system is so small, you can't even measure it with a speck. And I said, okay, Lord, if you created the heavens and the earth, which now through science I understand that you did. If you created the heavens and the earth, that means you own everything. Everything is yours. The only planet that sin is this little one. So I said, who's in the majority? You are. And this planet Earth is what? In the minority. And so when I accept Jesus as a Christian, am I in the minority? Because sometimes we act that the enemy, Satan, is so powerful that he's the majority, right? And I said, no way. The, the real truth is we're in the majority because once I accept Jesus Christ, I'm in the vast majority. I'm now part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the universe. You see what I'm saying? And I said, if he's that awesome, that big... And I got to change the way I think. Praise God. Amen. That little book was like, wow, my mind opened. And I realized that we serve an awesome God. Amen. And I have a question. Yet, I've noticed this in my walk. That a lot of folks walk around with the attitude that God doesn't have the power to help us in our walk. You hear what I'm saying? If he's that big and this planet is so small, can he help you and I? The answer is yes. And so as I started looking at different stories in the scriptures, 
I want to share with you some of these stories, and I want to share part of my quick journey, because all of us, we're going to have to make a decision. Who is really in charge of our life? Is it God? Is it circumstances? Or is it me? Hear what I'm saying? Who is it really? And so, if you could put that text, please, the one in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Sad story, yet it happened. Saul, God asked Saul to be the king. Now, God didn't want men to be the king. He wanted to be king, but they said, we want to be like the other nations. So he allowed Saul to become the king. So he chose a man who was taller than everyone else from the smallest tribe of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin. You remember the story for those that may have known this? And out of all the tribes, his clan was a teeny-weeny clan, but he chose Saul. Well, Saul went to fight. Actually, his son did something. His son went to the Philistines and he attacked one of their posts. So Saul blew the horn. He says, folks, blow the horn. Get all the Israelite men because we're going to go to war with, with the Philistines. Well, according to scripture, his men show up. But what he didn't realize was that the enemy also showed up. <laughs> but he remembered what the prophet told him, Samuel. He said, wait seven days. And after the seven days, I will come and I'll bring victory to you. Well, when they saw the 3,000 chariots come, the Bible says there were men like the sand on the seashore. They started panicking. Now day one, instead of Saul saying, folks, seven days, Samuel will be here. We will have this victory. But what did he do? He allowed the circumstances to put fear in his heart. So after day one, when the men started looking at him and he didn't encourage them, they started running away. Day two, some of them crossed the Jordan. Some of them into the caves, thickets. Day four goes by five, and as he's counting his men, all this vast army of Israel is dwindling. Day seven finally shows up. The circumstances look good. And I have a question for you. Who's in charge? Really? See, I agree with you. Yes, sometimes we act in our personal lives when circumstances are bad. We step out. And we focus on the circumstances. Instead of saying, Lord, you're above the circumstances, just like you are above the universe. Does that make sense? So instead of Saul having that faith and encouraging the men, notice what happens over here. So he tells the priest, bring me the offering. Who's the only one that's allowed to make the offering was the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He did something against God. Just as he finished making the offering, who arrived? Just like he said he would. So Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Next verse, please. What have you done, asked Samuel, Saul replied. When I saw that the men were scattering, and then notice what he does. He blames Samuel and that you did not come. My goodness. The audacity. Instead of saying, I goofed. See, we serve a God that when we mess up, we could go to him. But instead of doing that, he says, forgive me, Lord. He points the finger that you did not come at the set time. How dare you show a play to my war? <laughs> and that the Philistines were, next verse, please. Assembling a mishmash. The next verse, please. I thought now the Philistines would come down against me. I thought the army belonged to God. Am I right? I thought it was his plan. Am I correct? And he says, when they will come down against me, well, I think you forgot something. At Gilgal, I have not sought the Lord's favor. Now notice what he says. So I felt compelled. That was the excuse. 
So offer the burnt offering. I have a question, my friends. Who's really in charge of your life? When the circumstances come, who's really in charge of your life? Is it circumstances or is it God? You hear what I'm saying? Now, God gave him another chance because this is the God that we serve. Now, I want to share a story because this helped me to really consider, as I was growing as a Christian, what I'm going to share with you, that God is truly in charge. The elder of our church was an older guy. His name is Malcado. Now, in Spanish, that sounds weird, right? It actually means, instead of, it means market. And the supermercado, supermarket. Okay, so his name was Malcado. So when I first met him, I'm like, that's weird, market. But that was his name, okay? I was bicultural, not 100% bilingual. Okay, so I said, okay, dude, that's your name. Praise God. And now he was a treasurer for the church, and he was an older guy. And in that church, we had a lot of little kids. And so after church, after he went and he did his treasury duties, counting the money, putting it in the safe, after sundown, you know, he would just take it to a bank. I, I don't know all the details. But on the way home, after he did all that, the church was on this nice incline, a steep hill. And usually every time he would walk home, especially in the summer, one of the little kids in the church that loved Melgado, he would run after him. And you could hear the footstep, tap, 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 tap. And he would touch him and says, I got gotcha. you. Well, this time Mercado finished, and he was on his way home, and he heard the footsteps again. But this time he said, that's a little weird. And the reason I'm sharing this is because he came back to share the story. And this time it was, I said, tap, tap, tap. It was more like, dunk, 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 dunk. He says, wow, he's really heavy. And the next thing he knows, he saw this knife going go right in front of his neck. And at that point, the sun was at the right angle. It glittered off the blade and into his eyes. Now I have a question. Is God still in charge? Even in this circumstance? Why am I sharing this story? Because he woke me up. And so, right there, Mercado had one of those micro prayers. You ever had one of those? Like, and basically, this is what he said God, you're in charge. If it's your will for me to live, or if it's your will for me to die, it is in your hands. My friends, is that faith? I've got to be honest, at that point in my life, my faith was not strong. Because I would have said, oh boy. But that was his prayer. And right after he had that micro prayer, he saw the guy pull the knife, trying to reach his pocket. And he said, okay, hopefully he doesn't stab me. And then the weirdest thing happened. The hand got out of the pocket. He saw the knife go back and he heard the footsteps. And the man started running. So he turns around and he looks at him. And the guy is looking at him as he's running. His eyes were so big. He was so afraid. Whatever he saw, there was fear. And he was running like, I'm going to get killed. So he turns around and there's no one there. He says, wow, this is really weird. So he looks around and he sees that poor guy running. And as he, as he corners, he goes around the corner. He falls. The knife falls. He gets up. He falls again. The guy is so nervous. That by the time he stumbles and gets up, you know, it looked like a comedy show. But he finally gets up and he leaves. And he turns around one more time and says, wow, is it my looks? You know, I'm glad that MacArthur could make fun of that. But then he said, you know what, I know what it is. It's God's angels. He must have saw the biggest, ugliest, meanest angels. But whatever it was, praise God, he's in charge. So I have a question for you. And I want you to think about this. In Saul's situation, my friend's situation, in your life and in my life, 
Do we go through things that God allows for us to grow? And do we allow the circumstances to be bigger than God? Or is God bigger than the circumstances? Hear what I'm saying, folks? Who is in charge? Is it circumstances? Or is it God? Recall that came back. He shared the story. And I was like, wow. I, I looked up to him and says, I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of peace. That no matter the situation, I could say, God, in your hands. Well, I finally received it. <laughs> but it doesn't just happen. We have to give our heart, our mind, our soul to God. Does that make sense? Well, he gave him another chance. <laughs> we serve the God of many chances, right? And in 1 Samuel 15, and before I go on, God didn't give him the victory, but you know who he gave the victory to? His son. You know what Jonathan did? He got his arm bearer. And he said, we're going to climb up this hill, and this is, we're going to make it simple. If they say, come up here, we know that God is going to give us the whole army into our hands. Two people. But if they say, stay there till we come down, we know this is not God's will, we're going to walk away. So guess what? They said, come up here. And he says, you ready? Here we go. And they went up. And read the scriptures for yourself. The army dissipated. They ran with fear. Because my friends, when, when we allow God to be in charge of the circumstances, there's always victory. Amen? Amen. Saul didn't get the victory, but his son did. First <laughs> Samuel 15, the second chance that God gives. Now, this is a really a weird story because you don't see this a lot in scriptures. God told Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. Now, you say, but I thought God is a loving God. Well, he is. Yet also sometimes he will say it's time for judgment. And when I say wipe out, it's like when the ladies, you know, myself, I'm at home and I have to clean the dishes and it's so squeaky clean that you can hear it. <laughs> wipe it out. He says, I don't want none of the plunder, all the animals, everything. Wipe them out. Well, we know from history, because they didn't wipe them out. The king's family that survived. You ever heard of Agag? Well, you go 500 years in the future. You remember the story of Esther? Well, that family is the one that tried to align, in other words, decimate all the Jews from all the kingdoms in the world. So God already knew that if you don't take care of this, they're going to try to wipe you out. But either way, this is what happened. Saul goes, he wins the battle, but he doesn't follow God 100%. And so let me read these texts, and then we're going to read verse 23 and 24 in a moment over here. If you have it, um, 1 Samuel 15, so in with verse 23, I'll read this until you get it on the screen. Is that okay? So when Samuel reached Saul, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. And Samuel said, What is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spare the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. We totally destroy the rest. Stop! Samuel said to Saul, Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of all the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over all Israel. And he sent you in a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you wipe them out. Verse 19. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, 
Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. And then he says, and brought back Agag the king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder. The best of all was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And these are the verses that I want to read, starting with verse 23. You have it up there, 1 Samuel 15, 23? If not, um, I'll just read it. Yeah, 15, 23. If not, we'll go to, I'll read 15, 23, and then I'll read 15, 24 up there. And it says this, For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. And then notice what it says in verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Now notice the excuse he gave. I was afraid of who? And so what did he do? So who's in charge? Is it the circumstances? Or is it the people? Or is it God? Hear what I'm saying? See, all of us, either we're going to follow the crowd or we're going to follow God. And I remember when I had to make that decision, I'm going to share this. You see, my road wasn't perfect. My mouth wasn't always sanctified and my fist wasn't always sanctified. You know what I mean? People would say things to me about my mother, pow, as a Christian. And they go, Carl, you need to change. Yes, he's changing me. And so one of the problems I had is I, had, I, I didn't want to fail because I didn't want to be like my dad. And so the high school I went to was called Aviation High School. And I had a teacher that the students, I, I will say almost 100% of the students, hated his guts. And there was a reason why he encouraged his hatred. What he would do is he would post the grades, and if you didn't do good, guess what? Everyone would see it. <laughs> From the highest to the lowest. And then what he would do is he would give you the exams, he would call the highest to the lowest grades first. And then as he would call you up, can you imagine if you were in the last, you know, last 10%? <laughs> so he would call you up, and then he would make comments like, if you didn't do good, he says. And so guess what? He would embarrass us. And so I remember the first quarter exams were ready to happen. And my friend says, Carl, come over here. And we had a little click. We were tight. And he says, come over here. And then so there was two or three of us, maybe four. I forgot about the other guy. <laughs> he says, I got the answers. For what? Tomorrow's test? And so he gave it to us. Now, as a Christian, I didn't want to do it. I'm serious. Because, again, who's in charge of your life? Is it circumstances? Is it people? Is it God? So I was allowing the peer pressure. And so all of a sudden, I didn't do it with my hand sinned. Because even before I could think about it, my hand went up and grabbed the test. Bad hand! Bad hand! Shame on you! Has that ever happened to you before? And before I knew it, there it was. That paper was in my hand. Lord, other than do it, it was the hand. So I took it home, and I read it, and I said, you know what? I'm not justifying what I did. But I said, I can't get 100, so I've got to get a 99, maybe a 98. And I remember when I got, the following day after the exam, when he started calling everyone up, he came, finally came to me, and he said, Carl, well done. And in my mind, I said, if you only knew. <laughs> now, as a Christian, it was eating me up. Remember, the midterms came. So my friend calls. He says, hey, guys, come on. 
So it wasn't just three or four. It was now like six, maybe seven, eight. That group, little, that little click group. He says, I got the midterm. And I says, oh, Lord, help me out. He says, and he says, I started passing all the exams. Guess what? I didn't sin. It was my hand because my hand went up and grabbed that exam. Shame on you. How dare you? You need to be sanctified. Now, some of you are laughing, but my mom knew what was going on. Praise God for parents. So he started praying for me. Uh, my little Carlito, something is not right with him. And so I did. This time I, took, I wanted to get 100. So when the teacher called our name first, Carl, 100, good for you. <laughs> if you only knew. The Holy Spirit kept convicting me. Remember what the Bible says, that he would draw all men unto who? And then I said, I can't do this anymore. Either God is in charge, or the people are in charge, or the circumstances in charge, or I'm in charge. Which one is it going to be? I'm going to put God first. And I remember I made a decision. From this point forward, peer pressure, you're out of my life. God is first. You hear what I'm saying? All of us have to come to that point. Who is in charge? Is it God or your friends? Or is it circumstances? So I was ready. And so when the test came, the third one, third quarter, I put my hands behind my back and I held on to them real tight because I didn't want my hands to sin. And now the group was about 12 or 13, maybe 15. We just kept growing. And he started passing the exams. He says, Carl, here's yours. I can't do this anymore. He says, why not? I, I can't. He says, but why not? Because what I've been doing is wrong. I'm a Christian. I know I've been a bad example. But from this day forward, I can't do this anymore. Either it's going to be done the right way or it's not going to be done at all. He goes, are you kidding me? He says, what do you mean? Everybody does it. And then I remember he threw the exam, landed right on my chest. And of course, my reflexes from playing baseball, you know what I wanted to do? But I said, nope. <laughs> I let it drop on the floor. And I said, look, thank you. I appreciate the, the thoughtfulness, but I can't do this. And I walked away. Went home and I study, study the bottom part of my body off. <laughs> and I prayed. I says, God, anyone could get knowledge, but only you could give wisdom. And so I prayed. So guess what happened? And that's the five-minute cue. <laughs> so I prayed. And so after I took the exam, when he says, he called me up first or second, Carl, good job. And I said, if you only knew. Because why? This time I did it right. So I have a question. Who's in charge of your life? Is it circumstances? Is it people? Or is it God? Hear what I'm saying? Because David got it right. You see, when God called David, after he killed Goliath, Saul was jealous because he knew that Jonathan was not going to be the next king. So David runs to the Philistines. He's afraid he's human. So he, he runs to this little town called Ziglag. You ever heard that little town? No, it was not Ziglag, Maryland. It was Ziglag, Middle East. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so he's over there, and the Philistine says, David, come, you're going to fight with us. Fight who? You're going to fight your own master, Saul. And so some of the Philistines said, something's not right with this. You see, Saul's army is in the front, the Philistines are in the middle, and David is in the back. They go, the sandwich? No. Because if David decides to fight for Saul, now we're in the middle. This is not good. So he sends him back. 
When he goes back, Ziglag is burnt. All his wives, children, all the men's everything, plundered, but no one is dead. Yes, I want to read this text because you see, when circumstances are bad, when the people want to give you the wrong advice, who do we need to rely on? So notice the answer. Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 and on. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 and on. When David and his men came to Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. Next verse, please. So David and his men wept. Now, ladies, I know when you cry, you cry, but when men really cry, we look like fools. Okay, because it comes from deep. And I could just see David crying, wailing. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. I mean, they, that was it. They were exhausted. And then notice the next verse. David's two wives, I'm not agreeing with that, but he had two wives, okay, have been captured, and these are the names. The next verse. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But notice the key. What is the answer? But David found strength in who? Doesn't matter how bad the circumstance may be. Doesn't matter how bad the situation and the eyes may appear. Or even what others may be saying. The only one we could always hold on to. And we know that he's not going to let us go. Guide us in the wrong way, always in the best. Is who, my friends? Is God. So here's David. What should I do? He calls the priests. They tell him, go get everyone back. And they did. Because the answer was not the circumstances, was not the bad advice. He found strength in who, my friends? Today, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I do want to make an appeal. Is that okay, Pastor? If in your life, you know, you know what? He's right. I'm allowing circumstances to tell me that they're greater than you. I'm allowing people to guide my life. If that is what's happening in your life, my friends, I want to pray for you. To give you the courage to be bold. To say, you know, Lord, you who created the universe, who is above everything, you're also above my life. And when I give it to you, you are in charge of my circumstances, the people, because I'm going to follow you every day. Does that make sense? I want to pray for you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the stories in Scripture. Thank you for also the things you allow in our lives to wake us up and to really look at you and to really ask the question, who really is in charge of my life? And Father, we've allowed situations or circumstances, forgive us. Help us to understand that you truly are the awesome and mighty God. Father, we allow peer pressure, all the people to guide us. Father, give us to... The, the courage to stand because you have said you will draw all men into you. So Father, today draw us closer to you. Help us to be strong. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be bold. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.